Welcome to True Baloney. I'm George. I'm Peter. And we don't have any music today because something's messed up. We're just going <laughs> to confess that right to you. We usually have that nice theme song. Yeah, sorry. And I know you're looking for it and you're used to it. It's not happening. Just bear with us. And you've got a musician on today and no music. Really? I know. Really? I know. And so, actually, that brings us to, we have... That voice you heard. That voice you heard is the specialist of special guests that we've had so far, not to say anything bad about our previous guests, who no, are lovely, oh. especially when it's just the two of us. Yeah, or the oh. one that I'm married to, who we also had on as a guest. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. I was kind of mean to her, too. <laughs> oh, no. But anyway, this certainly ranks as the, as the most special... Yes. Of our special guests. So far. So far. You know, we're gonna try to totally outdo you later. <laughs> but but right now you're But the I'll best. be back. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have with us Christine Brewer, renowned soprano, one of the twenty best of all time, but I think I think maybe top six. You know, I, I looked at the list and a you're lot way of, up. A lot of you're them way are dead, up there. you know, on yeah, the list. Right. So, exactly. Exactly. No, no so competition you move right there, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, we're thrilled. Oh, to it's have great to you. be here. And you're a friend of ours, and uh, and so this is a treat. Yay. Yay! Maybe we'll boost our numbers too. Maybe uh, right. all your fans. All, all I'll the get world them on this. We'll tune in. So when will it be on? We'll, I'll here? try to get it on in the next 24 hours. All right. So, I'll, I'll tweet yeah. it. I'll tweet it. Put it on my tweet Facebook it. page. So our listeners are especially loving this inside baseball part. This is good <laughs> stuff. I hope you guys are really loving just the behind the scenes peak at what we do here at True Baloney. It's very sophisticated stuff. So we invited you to come and tell us, because I've, I've heard some of your stories, mm. and you tell fun stories, and so we wanted you to share, share some crazy stories, stories from the from the opera boards. Well, the... you know, most of the stories I've told you have been true, you know, but, and, and, I, and I have not been drinking today or taking any pain medication, so I think I'm going to be pretty, you know... Factual today. I think these are going to be pretty. We true. don't check. Oh, good. Okay, so no fact checking. There's no fact checking. Right. Here, so. Oh, good. And did I mention I'm 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 running for president in Yay! 16? <laughs> I figure you know there really aren't enough people out there. So uh, I'm totally going to vote for you. Yeah. Oh, I don't totally. need to hear what your party platform is. No, that is sort of my I had one this of my thought. dreams. No. Off topic, but I had this thought that Trump was like actually a supervillain from like a comic book. I mean, it makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. Flies around with a plane with his name on it, <laughs> has crazy like hair. And Wild a, hair, And yeah. a costume. He's always dressed the same, and right? And great facial expressions. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure he's got a secret island lair. Probably, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think he's a supervillain. It yeah. all makes sense now. I think it totally. does. Yeah, so don't vote for him. He's a supervillain. That's right. I wouldn't. He, no. Yeah. If you see him with a white cat and he's like petting it or something like don't yeah, yeah no, then no. you know. Mm-mm. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> so I, um well I've been thinking since you asked me to be on the show about some funny stories and or hopefully maybe little interesting <laughs> stories. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I came about this this career in a very circuitous way yeah. and I graduated from McKendry College when I was 20. Uh, I started school when I was 17 and I took all these Clep tests, and I got out of. I started out as a second semester sophomore. I was wow. a genius, actually. People don't know. <laughs> People don't realize. People don't realize that. I hope, but, uh, I hope that's present tense genius. Uh, well, you still I, are, right? I think. I don't know. I think I've maybe lost a few brain cells since then. But so I was quite young, and I graduated with a degree in music education, and um, I played the violin and I sang, and I had a nice voice, but. 
it really and, and truthfully when I listen to the old tapes you know from my recitals it's not a voice you would write home about I mean it was it was in tune and it was pretty yeah. but it wasn't like a very big voice um so I taught school um in Marissa, Illinois, for a year, and then I was a substitute teacher for St. Clair County. They would call it six in the morning, algebra, high school algebra. Oh, yeah, I got it covered. <laughs> PE, uh, behavioral disabilities class. I only did that once because the kids were like, they said, now the last teacher got beat up when she was oh, here. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, well, all right. I, I think I'll try that one day, and that, you know. But, but I, you still went, even though did they I tell went, you that ahead of time? Yes, you they did. Right. But you know what? 50 bucks was 50 bucks back then, you know? And so, um, so I really didn't, I was still taking voice lessons, but my voice didn't really kind of come into my own till my late 20s. And um, I sang with a symphony chorus. They paid me as a section leader because they needed people who could read music quickly and learn stuff mm-hmm. quickly and lead the, the rest of the section. So that was fun. And then a couple of my girlfriends in the chorus said, hey, let's, let's go audition for opera theater because they were teachers also. We'll do that, you know, in the summer. Well, I went over there, and I was so ignorant, you know. I, I didn't really know what to take to sing. So I sang a little aria from A Mall in the Night Visitors by John Carlo Minotti. And um, the guy who was listening, who was the chorus master, said, uh, So uh, what are you, a soprano or are you a mezzo-soprano? I said, Hey, whatever you need. <laughs> and I could just see the paper, my little being crumpled up and thrown in the trash bin as I walked out of the room. It's like, oh, damn. So um, shortly after that, I did this little competition at Powell Hall for young singers, young artists. And um, I sang a couple songs, a couple arias. And Richard Gaddis, who had started the opera theater a few years before, was one of the judges. And um, he kept. I kept the, the little sheet that he wrote his comments on. I didn't win the competition, by the way. You didn't win. Did not win. But he wrote some nice comments about this young singer. I think she has a voice that's distinctive. I think it's going to become a bigger voice, you know. And then a couple days later, I got a check in the mail from Richard for the amount I would have won if I'd won the competition. Because he said, I want you to know, I really believe in you. Wow. And I think you have the chops to do this and i'd love it if you'd come audition for my opera company he did not know i'd already been there yeah (laughs) you know yeah so i called him up and told him and he said oh no 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 you you, i'll put you in the chorus don't worry and so that's that's how it started i got what year was that what year was that i think it was 1981 maybe 80 or 81 so they'd been around since mid 70s i think 75 or something and um i got in the chorus of of magic flute Colin Graham was the stage director and it became one of my mentors and one of my dearest friends ever. Um, <clears throat> and he looked around the chorus and he goes, Ooh, I'm needing a, a tall lady. Oh, you over there. And it was me. You will be, and I thought, Oh, great. I'm going to get a little fun part in the chorus. Mm-hmm. You will be holding the tree. <laughs> it was made out of iron and it was about 10 feet tall. And I had to stand on the corner of the stage, you know, and my best friend, Linda Noland was in the audience. And she still tells me, you know, she saw my first role as tree lady this tree. And I just stood and held the tree. And, but the cool thing was I got to watch all the rehearsals and watch the, the, the lead artists performing People like Sherry Greenewald and Vincent Cole. Yeah. And it was so great for me to see what they were doing. You know, What a because, pro does. Yes. Because I never had acting lessons, you know, or anything like that. But I really watched what I thought worked and was honest. And I started watching how Colin directed everybody. And 
fortunately, I was able to work with Colin on several operas after that, in uh, not only in St. Louis but other other yeah. opera houses. And he really he helped shape my my career and understanding of the theater craft. You know, so um, so when you're singing, you're acting. Yes, absolutely. I mean that. What are they? You know, the, the park and bark. I mean, the, 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 that's. <laughs> Um, certainly there are times when you do just stand and deliver. Like yeah. when you're singing the, the, the Liebes Toad at the end of the, you know, five-hour Tristan and Isolde. It is just about, you know, singing about love and death. Okay. And, you you know, you don't want to be rolling around on the floor while you're doing that. Right. But, um, but you have to be an actor. You know, you really do. Um, I, I, I did an opera in Santa Fe a few years ago. Um, by um, Gluck, Alceste. Alceste is a four-hour opera. Alceste, since I was singing the title character, only is off stage for maybe five or ten minutes oh, wow. the whole night. Mm. Hercules has a little aria, and she <laughs> she had time to do a costume change and get a drink of water. And um, it's three acts long, and um, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of uh, hard music to sing. If you were just standing and singing, it would be difficult. Uh, we had this fabulous stage director um, um, who had me doing lots of stuff on the stage while I was singing. Lots of business. Lots of business. Lots of lying on the floor. My favorite scene was <laughs> in the third act when I go to hell to save my lo- my husband's life. As you do, you know, <laughs> the gods have said, look. Admete is going to have to die unless someone in the village will take his place and go to hell. Well, of course, I volunteer, but unbeknownst to my husband and our children. And that's another little story. Having two children on stage with you pretty much all the time, Hmm. they didn't sing or or anything. They just were always with me. And a little boy was about seven. A little girl was about ten. Same ones every show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they were very nice. They were nice little children. But what they... Forgot was that I, I have a tendency to um, curse like a sailor during rehearsal, <laughs> and um, especially if I'm you know kneeling on the floor and then somebody knocks me down or I've got to you know sing something you know from an unusual position, and I would I would let rip something and then I go oh damn it oh no sorry I'm so sorry and so we started a little curse jar for Christine. And at the end of the rehearsal period, which was about a month, I split the money up and I said to the kids, look, I'm going to make a donation to each of your schools, to your music department. So I asked the little girl what her school was, you know, and I'm writing my check out for, you know, $200 for her school and $200 for the of school. That's a lot of, a lot of cursing. Christine. And I know, I know, I'm not even going to say. But, um, but so then the little boy, I said, now what's the name of your school? Our lovely, beloved um, sister of Guadalupe. I went, oh. I said, oh, honey, now you know th- those words I said. You should never, ever, ever say those words. He said, I know my mommy already told me she was at all the rehearsals, you know. Oh, oh gosh. But anyway, my now, favorite. But, but wait, so what? I want to know that I want to know the work, inner workings of this. So did you, <laughs> were there gradations? Like, you know, was F bomb worth, worth more? Oh. Then, I, no, then, I don't think uh, so. Oh, okay, no, okay, and okay. I didn't really use that bad okay. too often. That bad of a language, no, not too much. And sometimes no, I didn't even say, know you won't I say did never. it. Never, you won't say never. I won't say never. <laughs> I won't say never. Most of the conductors and stage directors who know me, they they have a little, you know, they have a little bet going on. 
how soon into the first rehearsal <laughs> will Chris say something that is inappropriate? You know. Um, okay, but I got it, you okay, track, so, so but in this in this production, I go to hell. And um, um, again, this is this is the plot. This is the, the plot. This is not a no, 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 no. This, this is, is not, not Santa Fe. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. No, this is true. I mean, this is not true. It's it's true in the story of yes. the opera. So I go into like a hell. reverse Orpheus. It, it is. It is one of those kind of you know Orpheus and the Underworld kind of mm-hmm. stories. And the guy who played the devil was about six foot six and and had these really great features that they really accented with lots of makeup and. And the director said, well, it's going to be great now when, when Christine gets there, when Alcest gets to hell, you put your hand on top of her head and push her down to the floor and then get on top of her. Oh, God. And then I said, oh, and then that's when I sing my aria. That's, that's how we're going to do that. That's the staging for that. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. Okay. Well, if you know it's singing, you know you got to breathe. And this guy's lying on top of my back. <laughs> and I'm trying to breathe and sing this very pathetic sad you know woe is me kind of aria well finally they did sort of alter it so he was not really lying on me totally but he still had my head smashed down you know um but people just thought that was so great they said oh man that was wonderful and then when my husband comes to hell to save me with hercules he sings and he's a tenor you know and he's singing some beautiful aria and in the middle of the aria he was staged to help me get up and of course i had like 10 layers of Long skirts and no shoes, but you know, dresses. He lifts me up one night and drops me. Oh, and um, and I'm just lying on the floor. And here's the devil standing there. And the, the guy who was playing the devil was so funny later. He said, oh, I really wanted to help you up, but you know, I thought, no, wait a minute, the devil wouldn't do that. Would he would probably step on you again. And I said, Yeah, I kind of got that, you know. And um, I sprained my ankle and um, I, I did crawl off the stage. It was great. And everybody thought that was what it was. It was part of the show. It was, it was the show, it baby. It was the show. Yeah. And I ran into these ladies in Dallas a couple years later. I was at a, I was singing Beethoven nine, I think. And they were at the party afterwards. And one of them said, um, girl, <laughs> I seen you in that opera over at Santa Fe, that Alceste. And I want to tell you what, that is one <laughs> That is one long opera. <laughs> and you know what? I said, you had to be tarred. I mean, you were on stage tarred. all night. And she said, but I'll tell you what. When you was in hell, she said, that part where that devil, the, and you just got to lay down on the stage. I thought, well, thank God. She's tarred. She probably just needs to rest. She needs a little break. Yeah. So it is funny when you think what the audience concept is and maybe they thought well you know that poor girl's been out yeah, there all she's, night you know let's just let her lie down she, her for dogs a while. are barking yeah. she needs to have a little lie down yeah, right right <laughs> but it's just funny you know when you think about it and i think you know over the years of doing opera um and i'm sure this is true in any any form of theater when you live with it for a month and you're doing the staging and everything it really makes sense to you yeah but most of the time the audience members are going to see it one time. Yeah. Occasionally there'll be somebody, you know, who might see it twice, but it's got to be clear to somebody who's coming in one time. And, um, I've done some operas before where they've got, you know, like spirits wandering around on stage and, you know, they're supposed to be your thoughts or whatever. I'm 
I'm not sure the audience gets that all the time, you know? And so, and, and, and well, also. And sometimes you, I feel like directors are like, I don't care. Oh, oh they, they don't. Get, oh, right? You know, oh, they really don't care. No, they don't. And I had a director in um, uh, uh, Lyon and Paris. Uh, he was a um, German guy, uh, Gunter Kramer, who told me. Oh, if they don't boo me when I go for my bows, I've failed. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. He he wanted. He thought that was really the sign that it was great. And 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 we were doing Ariadne off Noxos, which I've sung probably more than any I opera. That. I, and love, I that. love it. And um, he said to me at the first rehearsal, "So um, you like the films of um, of um, Alfred Hitchcock?" I said, "Oh yeah, I love Alfred Hitchcock." Because I, I made a film to play uh, during some of the singing, uh, some of your singing. I said, oh, nice. I'd like to see it, you know. It's black and white. It'll be very, very Alfred Hitchcock-esque. Okay. I said, well, I, I kind of like to see it, you know. And he showed it to me on a little yeah. screen, and it was not really clear. I said, you know, is it possible we could get in the theater and you could show it on the screen that you're going to use and have somebody standing on stage where I'll be and have the pianist in the pit just play it so I can kind of get the gist of what I'll be singing when I see the film. Oh, he said, that's going to take a lot of time. Well, you know, it's half an hour. Let's just do it. So we did. And um, and it started out, and it actually was very Alfred Hitchcock-esque. You know, you're looking at an apartment building, and then zeroes in on one window, and then it goes in, and it's this man lying in bed. And it was supposed to be Tezois, and, you know, he's the one who's abandoned Ariadne, and her life is over, you know. And while I'm singing this beautiful aria about my life and how sad everything is, the man in the bed turns over, and the sheet falls off. And right where I would be standing is his butt right in my face. And I just looked at the director and I said, now, Gunter, really? really? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? I said, I don't think people will be, I don't mind that kind of stuff if it's yeah. not detracting from the music. If it serves the story. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so he took that out. He redid it. And yeah. actually what he came up with was quite beautiful and it really gave this sense of loneliness from both of them yeah. and it was nice do you think he knew that that that, that that's how that butt was going to end up no, no so he he actually you did him a favor i think i did because when he saw where the you yeah. know stage manager was standing up there in my costume you know yeah he went oh yeah i said it's just it's just in that beautiful moment when i sing on sureness far you know it's so but. oh it's so beautiful and then whoa <laughs> right in my face and uh and, and then you know how um um uh, bacchus comes you know he's been he's been um tempted by all the sirens you know circe and um he's on that pig island yeah. well I've done this opera so many times with so many renditions, but this was one where he had these gorgeous French dancers who were playing pigmen, and they had on pig heads and they had on hooves. Of course, they did, and nothing else. Okay, oh. can I say that? Yeah, yeah, nothing else. And um, and it was very cold in these theaters where we were rehearsing, and they would have to just lie on the floor for oh. you know for like hours. And Those so poor one day, girls. I said, men. Oh, pig men. Pig men. Sorry. Shrinkage. Shrinkage is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, know. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and so I did say to Gunter one day, since we're just kind of working on Bacchus and me on our whole thing where we're in the bed, we're on the bed, we're under the bed, we're, on, you know, do the pig men, do they need to stay? I mean, because they, they aren't moving. They're just lying on the floor and I think they're kind of cold. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so he released them and he was very grumpy about it. And so some of the cast members said to me, I can't believe you did that because he loved looking at the pigmen. Oh. And I said, oh, I, well, I, I, 
just thought they looked like they were kind of cold and tired, you know. So, yeah. You ruined yeah. his day. I did. I ruined his day. So after that, the pigmen were at all the rehearsals, you know. And uh, it's pretty Did they funny. turn up the temperature at all for no, them? Or? No, 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 no. It's brutal in some of those theaters. And so have you... Um, now, you've directors who want to be booed. Um, I twenty some odd years ago, I went to a lecture by Cynthia Heyman, uh-huh. and she uh, she's a singer, mm-hmm. and she talked about um, a production she did. I think it was Mozart, and um, it, it was. I can't remember how she described the movements, but it was all, and this is obviously a podcast, so I'm going to make the motions now, but it was sort of like they had to walk around. For the like, listener sort of home, like George walking, is doing the like, robot. Yeah, like robots or Egyptians, yes, yes. you know, and, and that the audience hated it, and they booed, and it was just a disaster for them, and they felt terrible about what they were doing, even though the music sounded good. Yeah. It was just a bad experience for the audience, and so has, has that happened to you? No, I mean, um, I've been in productions where the the stage director gets booed, mm-hmm. you know, but... They don't boo the singers. They don't, uh, you know what I mean? No, I mean, yeah, it's, not, yeah, too, not yeah. so much. I mean, maybe in yeah. Italy, yeah. but not, not, <laughs> not so much. But I, I did a production in Paris of um, another Strauss opera of um, um, Die Frau ohne Schatten, The Woman Without a Shadow. And, um, and I had just played it in Chicago in a really beautiful beautiful production and then went directly to the Paris opera with the baritone who played my husband so we were together for six months doing this opera and um he he shared with my husband when my husband Ross got to Paris he said I've been with your wife now for like three months we got three more months of this he said this is hell (laughs) you know so yeah really thank you really oh yeah because um I don't know why but um, people think I'm kind of bossy, and I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think I am. But um. well, you curse a lot. You tell the director to get rid of his props that he loves. Yeah, I do it in a nice way. I'm very, very kind. You know, um, I'll say, "Do we really want to do that? Do you think? I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to work." Yeah. So I don't yeah. like this butt behind me. Can yeah. we? Can we just take that out? Can we get that part? Doesn't out? seem like a lot to ask. I, I, think so i don't think so but this was a this was a production uh, a bob wilson production and um i had heard about some of his productions but never seen them and and each um you stand and and there's a, a specific position you know where you know your arms are outstretched and maybe one arm's you know five degrees higher yeah. and your forefinger is this way and that way and there will be a, a note um christine move the little finger on your right hand oh, two degrees wow. you know oh yeah oh, now wow. it it's mm, it's very stylistic it's yeah. and and it's um and because i was the woman who had the shadow which was a womb and the woman who was the empress could not have children and she wanted children and i didn't want children because my husband was a jerk and he had three moronic brothers who lived with us so why would i want to bring any more people into the world and so i gladly gave away my shadow my womb and the way he represented it was this big silver ball which i would hold in front of myself hold it over my head and this thing weighed i don't know three pounds or five pounds i don't know but to stand like that and sing was was kind of difficult but i will say people who came to see the production said it looked like a painting and they said we could really hear everybody's singing because whenever you had a big aria, you were standing facing out. Yeah. And so in some respects, it was quite beautiful. Um, 
but Bob didn't come. It was a remount of his production, and only one person in the cast had been in the original. So the rest of us were all learning these movements. And we got ready to do the third act, and I had memorized the whole intro to the third act. All the movements were written down from the previous um, production. So I'd memorized them all, and then I sang a duet with my husband, Barack, and then... Um, Obama? Yeah. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? Yeah. No, just Barack. And I had no name. I'm just called the dyer's wife. He was he dyed fabric, and his name was Barack. And then we sang a duet, then I sang a solo. I sang a solo, we sang a duet. Anyway... Bob showed up the night we were going to stage that. And he comes up on stage and he says, so um, in this intro, I want to see the angst of the dyer's wife. This, you know, it's the culmination of this third act. You're fed up. You you know, I I just want to see, I don't want to see Christine come through that. I want to see Christine. And I said, okay, well, I've memorized, you know, what what you all did five years ago. I've got that. No, 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 no. I don't want to see that. I want to see what Christine, how does she feel as a dyer's wife? Well, I, I kind of feel like I'd like to do what, what I've memorized. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to see that. And I'm like, oh, crap. And so the music starts, and I am just making up stuff. And, and you know, like I think I'm a ballet dancer yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm making yeah. up stuff and holding it, and then I sing. And I. he comes up on stage after we've done this scene, and it's about a 20-minute scene, I think. And he's got tears. And he said, that was, that was just stunning. The way you gestured on the, on the, the oboe solo. Oh, he, it, 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 that's what I want. So Do it exactly, exactly like that. Exactly like that. So I look to the desk of all of his assistants, the stage people, the assistant director. Did someone Did write this write down? down? Anybody write it down? Anybody film it? Whatever. No. No. So every mm. night I was making that stuff up. <laughs> and, and always trying to get that first night to, again. I know. And it's really, I mean, and I knew sort of what he liked about it. So I tried to, you know. Yeah. But it was one of those, I mean. Did you ever feel like you I think I got, got I, it? I got the right feel yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I never yeah. probably did it exactly well, so Somebody who's so exacting. Oh, man. But well, then would just be okay with what feels okay. And it's like, did he mellow out as he got older? I or, don't know. You know maybe he did. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. They had a gorgeous costume. Now, the Dyer's wife, really, they're poor. And when I did the production in Chicago, I was wearing literally burlap. I mean, it was <laughs> it was pretty gross. My hair, my wig they had on me was really gross. In this production, I had this gorgeous red frock and a 12 inch tall wig that was just beautiful and i thought wow the dyer's wife is a little more you know fashionable here in paris and uh but i mean it was actually a really beautiful production in the end but just you know having to do that and move whenever we did walk yeah we had to move so slowly that and my and and ross my husband said it just looked like we were gliding on stage because we had long dresses on and he said it's like kabuki or something very similar to that very similar Huh. Yeah. And so it ended up being a very cool production and and I enjoyed being part of it, but at first it was like pulling teeth, you know. Um so yeah, now, when you did it that first time. Mm-hmm. Did did you have any sense that it was good or were you just like, okay, I'll do this, I'll do this and then he's like, "Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful." Well, no, I actually I did. I was really listening to the music and I really did try to think about all the angst that she went through. I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. with that role, and quite often when you and you don't see the opera done very much because it has five 
uh, main cast members, and and they're equally virtuosic kind of stuff. It's very hard to cast, and I'm and and it's expensive to do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I I really did try to think. Okay, most people play her as just a bitch. They play her as a harpy kind of. You know, rah, 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 why is she always yelling at her husband? And I had a little come to Jesus moment in Chicago in the production when the stage director, uh, Paul Curran, whom I've worked with a lot and I love him, and uh, Andrew Davis was conducting, Sir Andrew was conducting, and Paul says, okay, we're going to do the, the big first scene with the Dyer's wife. And um, and he says, in the cast, we're just sitting in the rehearsal room, and he said, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, she's a bitch. And I just lost I mean, I don't even remember exactly what I said, but I do remember after sort of a five-minute diatribe, I look and Sir Andrew's sitting there with his baton down on this on this <laughs> stand and his head down, and the other cast members are looking at me like they feel sorry for me. But, but I said, you know what? Look at how this is written. You've got this young woman married to this guy who's who dies fabric and she has to work in this dye shop and he has three brothers who really are literally they are morons they're idiots and they're always beating up on each other and they they are abusive to her and um and he thinks that to make our marriage better we need to have children i said what about that makes you think i wouldn't be pissed off you know and so um and so they all kind of went Okay, yeah. And a couple of days later, we had a rehearsal, just a music rehearsal, and Sir Andrew, you know, said, "Okay, we're going to turn to the part, you know, the part where, um, you know, where where um, the dyer's wife goes through that bitchy." Oh, no, 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 no. She's not a bitch. She's not a bitch. She's not a bitch. And and we did a, a, a like a meet and greet with an audience one night before this before the show opened, and people were asking questions, and some man just stood up and he said, "Okay, now, so." Miss Brewer, I've seen you do a lot of roles. I've seen you do, you know, Isolde. It's so beautiful and so loving and tenderhearted. And how is it to play this kind of a bitch? You know, how is it? And everybody on the stage, Debbie Boyd was sitting there, Sir Andrew, Paul, they're all sitting there. And they all just kind of go, they freeze. And they go, no, she's not a bitch. She's not a bitch. You know? and so, but I think it is. So when I tried to picture that in that third act the music changes because we're sort of lost in space at this that that act and and the music was very sad and it made me think about how i would feel as a young married woman and i've given away my shadow my my womb uh, because i have a horrible um yeah situation but i love barack i loved him and so i tried to put that into the movement so i did try to Make it look expressive. Well, it's much more interesting. I, I mean, think so. You know, yeah, and it, when when you have when you have feeling for yeah, right. for the if, if if it's not the the, the villain or or the or you know the yeah, antagonist, right. but it, you, the, the often if you imbue them with some reason, exactly, then they're much more interesting. Right? Well, I said to him, why would Strauss write this beautiful third act with them singing the most beautiful duet ever written if she really hated him? I said, she does love him. She doesn't like yeah, their situation. Yeah, much more interesting. Yeah, and that's real life. I mean, you see yeah. situations where couples get together and they're young and they're struggling and um, things aren't happy, but they still love each other, you know? So I tried to put that all into it. And, you know, of course, my colleagues are always just like, oh, God, Chris, <laughs> well, you don't that's have to tell us. you're great. That's don't tell us your process. Great. Just do it. Shut up. All right. So I got like a couple minutes left here. We, right. uh, we've been rolling. So I don't know if there's any other golden 
nugget of a story that you would want to tell us that you haven't yet, but I have one little funny story about the first time I sang the Countess in Marriage of Figaro. Yeah, it was my debut with the New York City Opera. It was my debut singing an opera in Italian. It was my debut singing an opera in anything besides English because I'd sung all my operas yeah. in St. Louis in English. And I got there, and it was a remount of a, a, of a, a Copley production. Everybody else had been in it before, and I get up, and first rehearsal, the director says, okay, you're going to be seated, seated at your dressing table, and uh, you'll start singing Pour Amour, and oh, you know what, just, just do what you've done before. And so I just start <laughs> acting. And we get to my other big aria. He says, now you're going to come down the staircase. As you come down, come down during the recitative. And then when you get to the, you know what, just show me what you've done before. <laughs> and so I'm just acting my brains out, you know. And uh, I go back to my apartment that night and call my husband. And I said, they think I've done this opera before. They think I've done an opera in Italian before. I'm just going nuts. He goes, okay, are you solid on the piece? Are you solid? Yeah. I said, yes, yeah. I am. He said, don't tell them, because they yeah, will treat yeah, you differently yeah, exactly. if you go oh, in yeah. and say, this is my first time. They are going to think you are, you know, a little novice, and they're not yeah. going to. And that was the best advice. That is good advice. Yeah. And that's how I directed my way. And they didn't know until no. they read the program. And that's they saw, right. she's so happy to debut. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they had the information. They, they just didn't. didn't, didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so that's a lot about just, just being in the moment, you know. And doing the best you can. So well, okay. So I, go, I know go. we're, we're no, going no, we're long, good. but that's okay. I mean, if it's okay with you, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to just keep rolling for a minute because okay. speaking of, of being in the moment, so um, Tristan and Isolde, uh-huh. the Prelude in Liebestad. It, uh-huh. It's um, I think the whole thing is seventeen minutes long. Uh-huh. And what it is is um, there's the soprano who. Um, it has to sit through the whole prelude, uh-huh. which lasts. It's it 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 doesn't last that long, but it's slow and beautiful, mm-hmm. and it seems mm-hmm. like it lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And you're out there on stage in front of a hundred people, and you're iced basically for like ten minutes. Uh-huh. What are you thinking about? Are you are you staying in the moment, or or is it just like? Oh man, where am I going to dinner? Or I forgot to turn off the oven. Or oh oh, Shaisa, that's I'm supposed to come in now. Uh, no, no, no. Now, really, truthfully, because I've done the opera so many times, and I'm always on stage for the prelude because it's it's it, you know she's on the boat and she's been kidnapped by Tristan and he's taking her to you know to meet King Marka and they're gonna get married and you know all this stuff. And so I'm always on stage during the, the, the prelude, and usually they have me just sort of reclining on a bed or whatever, and I'm, I'm with my eyes closed. And, um, and then I wake up and realize, where, you know, where the hell am I? But if I do it extracted like that, where they're playing the very first thing of the opera, and then I'm singing the very last thing of the opera, which is five hours later if you've done the whole opera, what I try to do during the prelude is I play the whole story in my mind. I play that I'm on the boat, and then I sort of play the realization that I've been kidnapped by this man who killed my fiancé and sent his head to me as a little prize, and then came to me, because he heard of my healing powers, to be healed. And even though I knew all of this stuff about him, and I had a sword, and I could have killed him, when he looked at me, and there's that Tristan chord, you know, that you hear throughout the whole opera... 
I fell in love with him. And so I try to think that all through and then and then go fast forward to where Tristan is dying and then he dies before I get there and we can't die together. And then I then I, usually times out to about the time that I stand up to sing the Liebestote. Um, so I do try to kind of think through the whole opera. That's not to say that there are times when a stray thought goes through your mind, and that happens all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You can be in the middle of an opera, you could be in the middle of a concert or recital, and some stray thought, maybe you see something on the stage that distracts you, or if you're in a concert, you see somebody in the audience do something, and, and it, for that moment, you're distracted, and it's just about getting back your focus, you know, but that's that's tough. You know, when that does happen, when you do think of something like, oh, I need to get milk before I go home tonight, you know, <laughs> I had a guy one time <laughs> asked me in a and a Wagner Society dude in the Wagner Society of Northern California. OK. And I had just re- released Donald Runnicles and I had just released our recording of Tristan and Isolde. And we were doing Tristan and Isolde at the San Francisco Opera. So Donald and I were doing lots of signing, CD signings and lots of uh, meet and greet Q&A. And so we, we were guests uh, to the Tristan, and it was all about Tristan. And they said, we'd like you to speak on this. I hear the light. I said, okay, okay. that's what Tristan says when he's waiting for me in Act 3, okay? I don't really know if I could speak for an hour on that. I'm not really <laughs> not really sure I could do that, uh, but um, I'll do my best, and then we'll have some Q&A. And there was a guy in the audience who stood up, and he'd seen... I don't know, four of our performances so far. And he said, and I've stood through all of them in the in the back, you know. And I sort of, I said, oh, I'm sorry wow. you don't have a seat. I said, wow, that's a long, that's, that's a long yeah. song, you yeah. know. And um, he said, I just want to know, when you're finished with the Liebestote, how, how do you become Christine Brewer again? And, um, <laughs> and I said, well, um, it's a long night. And so I usually, you know, I go back to my dressing room and, have to get out of my wig and makeup and costume and everything. And I've rented an apartment just a couple blocks from here so I can walk back home. And it's late. It's, you know, midnight or whatever. And it's two hours later at my home, so I can't call my husband and I can't call my family or friends. So I usually just maybe have a beer in my apartment and maybe throw in a load of laundry or just because I can't go to sleep right away. And everything I said, his shoulders just drooped more, you know. And he later, he did not want to hear laundry. that. I know. Donald said, you've got to come up with something better to say next time. Make up something. That you wear your costume home. You stay at the theater for two more hours or whatever, you know. But, um, but it is funny because I think people sometimes have trouble, you know, seeing what's real and what's not, you know, and they sort of think you are Isolde or something. And it's kind of, kind of creepy sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. uh, I mean, you're like how I didn't really get a head delivered to me. No, that didn't really happen. You know, everything's fine. (laughs) You know, I'm aware of the, the backstory and I know everything right. that happened, but you know, didn't really happen. My right. daughter like, is that way when I'm watching movies, like we're watching Dr. Zhivago the other night and I'm mm-hmm. just explaining the bad guy. And he's it's like, well, he's terrible. He's really creepy. He goes, he's not creepy. He's I'm sure he's a very nice man. Oh. <laughs> in real in life. Real life. Yes. Like, no, I know. And if you're yeah. going to insist on doing this, every time I tell you how this guy is, we're going nowhere. With it. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is funny. You just, because, but but I get it because when I'm in that when I'm singing as Olda I am as Olda mm-hmm. 
I really, yeah. I really am. And when I'm singing the dyer's wife, I really am the dyer's wife. And it's not until I can really get that sort of feel for a role that I can do an opera. I just mm-hmm. until it really means something to me, you know. And then I feel like I can tell the story to the audience, you know. So what does it feel like to be a nun? Well, I played three different nuns mm-hmm. uh, last year. It was a big nun year for you. It was you. a big nun year, yes. I played um, a Sister of Charity in Doubt, mm-hmm. and uh, that was in Minneapolis. We we did the premiere of Doubt, and then I did um, the Reverend Mother, in uh, or the Mother Abbess in Sound of mm-hmm. Music. And then I was a Carmelite and got my head chopped off right. in Dialogues of the Carmelites. And it was it was daunting. I, I met some of the Carmelite nuns in St. Louis, and I still correspond with them. And I've gone out to sing for them, and I've gone out to visit them. Of course, they're behind a screen when we visit, you know. Um, oh. And just hearing their story and, 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 and seeing their kind of devotion to their mission really inspired me. And, um, and hopefully it, it made my portrayal more realistic. Um, but I find that really helps me if I can kind of tap into somebody who's actually living that life, you know. Right. Well, you can actually meet a nun yeah. um, in real life today, yeah. Yeah. unlike yeah. some of yeah. the other roles. You know, right, exactly. You can't actually go to hell no, no, and no. feel what that's like. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, um, so can I tell my true confession about Dialogue of the Carmelites? Sure. Um, <laughs> so back in college, I was in a pledging a music fraternity okay and our version of hell week was they would keep us up late and we would listen to and or watch some operas and one of the ones we watched we we didn't actually watch it because we didn't have you know a vhs tape of this um we listened to dialogue of the carmelites over a couple of nights and the idea you know and we're listening to it in french and and we're having to you know read along to the translations and we're freshmen in college and you know we're not used to opera and so we have no idea where we are but the idea was that we're supposed to be empathizing with them and 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 seeing how the nuns if if i'm even remembering it right because this is how much i took away from it they're sticking together and they sacrifice for each other and 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 that is the noble thing and so at the end you know they're all sentenced to death Mm -hmm. by guillotine and we're listening, and it's very dramatic, and they get up there, and then we're very tired, because it's after midnight at this point, and then we hear the first whack, yeah. and we just started laughing. It was the <laughs> funniest sound we ever heard, and we're like, there it goes! And then, uh, you know, a minute later, whack, there's another one! And so oh. they were, the, the actives were watching the pledges, and they... they um, they didn't appreciate yeah. that we, oh, we got the wrong message. They thought you were a bunch sure. of psychopaths. Yeah. Did, they, yeah. did they let you stay in the They did. Fraternity? They did. I mean, I think, man, that's pretty That's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah but, you know, yeah. it was uh, I mean, at the time, we, I mean, we were not going to stop laughing. And they were like, you guys got the wrong message from this. And it's like, well, maybe you should show it to us. Maybe, yeah. If yeah. you would have seen it, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 right. It, but it is, I mean, it is sad, though, when you think about how, I mean, it was at the end of the French Revolution, and pretty much after they were killed, I think most of the people who had any kind of common sense just said, "Okay, that was a enough. moment of That's, clarity yeah, for we yeah, got to stop yeah. killing yeah. nuns gotta, and you know this, priests." This is not good. No, this is not good. But my daughter uh, worked on that show in Santa Fe when they did it. She was working in the costume shop, so she heard the rehearsals every day. 
Well, and I was in another, what was I in? I don't know. I was in Ariadne, I think. But anyway, I got back home from Santa Fe and I would hear her playing that last scene in her bedroom. And, and, and I'd walk in and she'd be in tears. Aww. And she would just play it over. And she was about 16. And, you know, um, I mean, it, it is powerful. When, and you hear one less voice each time. Mm-hmm. And finally, there's just the one little novice, you know. And, uh, yeah, uh. yeah. Right, Cheerful. So, That's pretty much yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so I know you've got to go too. So, but what's coming up for you this year? Um, I'm doing a big recital tour with Paul Jacobs, who is a fantastic um, concert organist. We just uh, released a recording, and we're doing a tour starting in Atlanta. We come to St. Louis on uh, October 14th at the Basilica, the Cathedral Beautiful. on Wendell. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And then uh, we go to San Francisco to the Symphony Hall, mm-hmm. then to Lincoln Center for their. Um, uh, great artists program, and then Disney Hall in LA. That's what we've got this season. And then uh, I've got a few other recitals. I'm doing Doubt again in St. Louis at the Union Avenue Opera Wonderful. in August. So the plug for Union Avenue, founded yes. by a friend of mine. Oh. I, I love Scott Schoonover. I just uh, he's a wonderful guy, and uh, he conducts the operas. And is this twenty? How many years? Twenty three or four or something uh, like I that. I think so, something like that. Yeah. Scott, if you're listening, hello. And, Hi, um, Scott. You'd better have me in the pit for that, okay, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Because it's some... not about the money. It's not about the money. There's some great tunes, and the, and it's Doug Cuomo wrote the opera, and he's a jazz musician from New York. So you hear a lot of kind of '60s jazz in this score because it takes place in the mid '60s, and um, if you've seen the play or the yeah. film. Adding the music to it, it's I'm really, excited. really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to yeah. uh, be moved by it. Yeah. So. So, thank you. You're welcome. For coming so welcome. And, and subjecting yourself this to this. This was fun. So, it went quickly. Uh, <laughs> We're was really it too? Was it too hard? Indebted. Yeah. Was it? Oh, good. Okay. It was well, fun. I, I feel like we we need to maybe book you annually. And, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And I can come with. I have more stories. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I know you. I do. I know. I know. I know, I know the one Peter wanted me to tell, and it didn't happen in the opera stage. But I might, you know, have a couple drinks and tell that one another time. Yeah, All right. We'll so the have next to time have we're recording it. after dark. We're, yeah, we're recording. Yes, we're yes. recording later next okay, time. Okay. We yes. have we have one final thing. Yes. Um, we have to settle up. I think we had um, one dam, eight bitches, and, and a couple of craps. So with inflation, that's about $20. Oh, you think? Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah Can you write sure. a check? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's it till next time. I'll, uh, hopefully in another couple of weeks, we'll get, an, we'll get our next one up. Absolutely. So, and we don't um, have any play out music, so it's just going to end <laughs> abruptly. So, Oh, you may think that this is the end. Well, it is.